everybody, and welcome to another episode of Legends of the New Republic, the Star Wars Legends Book Club podcast. We read Star Wars books uh, of the Legends canon set after the uh, Return of the Jedi. I don't know what movie I was about to say, but it wasn't that one. (laughs) The Return of the Jedi. So we are uh, continuing through The Mandalorian Armor, the book one of the Bounty Hunter Wars trilogy. Uh, We are getting ready to jump into chapter three. Or excuse me, chapter four, uh, but we have a little bit of chapter three we want to go back and do first. Uh, my name's David, I'm one of your co-hosts here, and joining me tonight are... Um, Chris, your resident tower arcana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. We... <laughs> uh, and, and I'm Jason, and I am once again the resident slacker. I'm Kat. I've been told that I have human form. <laughs> I'm Jay, aka Shark Raid Twenty Four, and I am back for revenge. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking I love of the Jay's long, revenge, the long pause. We're like, "All right, cool." So, who goes first now? <laughs> no, no. I have to admit, I'm sorry. I got distracted because my phone started going off because my mom figured out that Kelsey was trying to log in to Netflix with a fire stick and our family shares that Netflix account. And she was like, who can I help get into the Netflix? And I was like, that's such a strange text to see in the corner of my eye. I got distracted. Normally it's like, who the heck's trying to steal my crap? Blue butterfly. I'm sorry. Are you sure it wasn't a magical blue butterfly that was distracting you? Oh, then I'm about to have a very interesting year. Oh, I was about to say, I was going to fringe with that one, with the butterfly episode. Either way, I'm going to have an interesting year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it's fringe, you're going to have an interesting five minutes, and then that'll be it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wow, we're just full of references today. Um, Back to the book. Uh, Because Jay wasn't here last week, and she had some thoughts on Chapter 3, since it was not in the audiobook, we wanted to give her a chance to, you know, rant i guess <laughs> and then we're gonna dive into chapter four so take it away joe why did they take it out of the audiobook it's the first instance of a twilight character in this entire podcast which i have very much been waiting for by the way and she just oh my god she's they took out the entire freaking chapter the, am i allowed to swear because i'm just gonna i'm, I'm just gonna go for it you know what <laughs> i'm pissed okay that's what we have the swear buttons just, for they feel like you're going to get really used to the R2-D2 scream by the end of this episode, let me tell you that. <laughs> it took out the entire chapter three. If you look at the audiobook chapters on Google Play, it goes cover, chapter one, chapter two, chapter four, chapter five, six, so on and so forth. And I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to the group chat. I'm like, hey, is this a mistake with the audiobook? Or was this taken out of the audiobook or is this just a typo? And David was like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's just a typo. And I'm like, so do I need to listen to chapter four or chapter five as listed in this audiobook? And he's like, well, I guess we'll have to find out, which did not really help my anxiety that much at all. Um, so I was, so the whole time I was just like, do, do I read more? Do I, do I listen to more? Do I listen to less? What am I supposed to do? And then it comes time to look at the show notes and I see that there's a chapter three and I'm looking through it. I'm like, this wasn't in the audiobook. This wasn't in the audiobook. This, oh my God, they took out the entire chapter from the audiobook. And for those of you <laughs> listening at home, you should know that 
we have a thing now where we color code which points we each talk about for the episode, just so that David isn't hogging the spotlight like he tends to do. <laughs> and so I've, I've also in the habit of highlighting things that don't appear in the audiobook, just so that people can get an idea of what's been cut from the audiobook before we actually start the episode. So there's just this big block of yellow highlights where the entire chapter is not in the audiobook and i don't understand why i'm so mad and i just want MJ. you know it occurs to me that i bet the 900 dollars audio cassette version of the audiobook includes chapter three. <laughs> so so basically what i'm hearing from this that broke me. david david you david that comment just broke me i'm i'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just gonna curl up oh no I'm, I'm just gonna lie on the ground here um uh, I'm, I'm literally lying on the ground right now. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if you can still hear me because my microphone... I actually can hear you just fine. Oh, my God. Why did you do this to me? So David? basically what I'm hearing is this whole thing is David's fault. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Although I don't understand how Chapter 3, as good of a chapter as it was, could possibly be worth $875. Oh, I've made a big mistake. Now I have to get back up now. Oh, my hips. Oh, my hips. The noise they make every morning. We can zoom on over to Chapter 4, which is actually our first of several flashbacks. Um, uh, So up until now, we have been just kind of concurrent with slightly after Return of the Jedi. We're flashing back now to just after A New Hope. Um, So we're very much in the middle of the Star Wars trilogy right now, uh, the original trilogy at least, and we are joining uh, a couple of characters that we haven't yet seen in the Legends universe uh, who are having an argument. (laughs) Oh, wait, hold the phone really quickly. If I may. I just noticed... A few of the points in chapter three were actually in the audiobook, but they were included in chapter four, and they changed the order of which it happened. So, That's so confusing. Yeah. Why did they put it in the middle of a it's, flashback? It's still in the bridge version, right? I don't know. Right? So You're... it's... Okay. Yes. So... This is why it's... you never do a bridge, children. Not even once. Okay. <laughs> so we don't see Mila escape the palace... Um, we see her sneaking into Dengar's hideout to find mm-hmm. Fett, and we have that interaction there. But that happens in the audiobook after um, what's his face, the gang leader, has his whole thing. Oh, that's um, that's a ways off. Yeah. Wow. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about his thing in chapter two. Right. I'm talking about his thing in where is it? It's way down there. <laughs> like chapter five or chapter six, where he's it's like after he has that whole really weird, creepy moment about Princess Leia. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty it, much his entire characterization. <laughs> yeah. It, so it, Part of that is in, we don't see her escape, but we see, we see her coming to find Fett and that doesn't happen where it's supposed to happen. 
it sounds a little bit like they're trying to use Fett recovering in the cave as a frame story for the audiobook, if that's how they're doing it. Um, so that they don't have to have such like, because I mean, the way the book is structured, there's large chunks of flashback broken up with large chunks of things happening in the present. So mm. uh, I guess that kind of makes sense, but I don't know. <laughs> mm. I kind of want to listen to the audiobook now just to see the difference myself. Mm. I like frame narratives and that would be an interesting, that would be an interesting frame for them to do. But no, that just sounds awful. Yeah, I have no idea if that's what they're even doing. Yeah. Also, keep in mind with the audiobook, it's like extremely hard to keep track of what time it is because all you have to go on is meanwhile or after Return of the Jedi or after, <laughs> during the events of Return of the Jedi, you know? And whereas with That's the, book, the book gives us. Yeah, with a book, you can just flip back a few pages and forget where you are. With the audiobook, you have to go, you know, you have to drag your little circle thing and you have to go. Uh, no, that's not there. It's not there. Oh, I went back too far, but now I went forward too far. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so difficult to keep track of. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the, I usually really like audiobooks because I tend to read too quickly and lose detail because my brain's just like skimming. So audiobooks make me slow down and I prefer them. But that is definitely an advantage um, over books or over audiobooks. Uh, so we actually have our first flashback. So at the beginning of the chapter, it literally just says flashback. Well, no, it doesn't say flashback. It says, you know, uh, just after A New Hope, uh, this is taking place. And I well, think actually I've taken some. I think that was my little point. Yeah. I should also I was... note that the narrator says it. Oh, sorry. I should, I should also note that the narrator, when he does that, it's just so out of place. It almost sounds like a commercial break. If you get what I mean, <laughs> well, what, I, really what I really, of, it's, it's out of place. There's a little bit of music on either side. It's, it's super easy to zone out when he says, you know, the time frame right. for some reason, just because I'm guessing because of how they edited it. How they edited it. I will now only accept flashbacks in the form of <laughs> And now are you tired of the future? Well, we're going back to the past. Commercial future events sounds. will matter in the future. Well, and this is the thing that I like what this scene reminded me of when they actually did that little flashback transition where they were like, yeah, in the past, it reminded me of actually something that Karen Travis does in her novels. Um, and I've seen in a couple other different worlds I like where they actually will take that chapter break interlude and they will put in like a random insert from like uh, something else in the galaxy, like just a random person talking about something. Like one of my favorites yeah. was like Palpatine talking to the, um, like an organization referenced as um, his hands. And it was just like him talking about his plans for the galaxy and things like that. And I was like, oh, cool. And it added a lot to the world building and to like the general um, overtones of the story. And I kind of wish they would do that here just because yeah, I, so I much of this. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I, I really love when people do that. Um, and I was just, because I just listened to um, Queen Shadow by E.K. Johnston, which is a canon novel about Padme between episodes um, one and two. And that really should have been about her double. Well, it is. It's about both of them. It's about like all of the handmaidens, really. That's pretty cool. Um, it's a great book. But in, in that style of like putting something in between the chapters, they have news reports from a Trade Federation backed news agency that help build the world because it's like they have a bunch of like 
stories being run on Padme by this this hostile news agency like attacking her and recontextualizing everything so that you kind of get this idea of like it's not so obvious who the good and bad people are in the galaxy and in the Senate because the news isn't telling everyone the same thing. Uh, and it's really subtle, and I like it a lot. Um, before, uh, I was about to say, not to belabor this, but has anyone read um, World War Z, the books, not the movie? I have not. I've, oh. heard, I've heard snippets of Well, it. I mean, the reading would imply that you were, uh, you know, reading. I missed everything the cat said except reading. <laughs> the, the reading part I, would I imply that it was the not the movie. <laughs> Touche me, so. checkmate myself. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. I was about to say, the reason I bring it up is because they tell the entire story in those kind of disconnected snippets that are just like random stories about this larger event. And I kind of wish that Star Wars would do that. Like what I really love about Star Wars is there's so much content about it now. You can go to YouTube and find a bunch of different people like putting together collages of random like thematically connected lines from a lot of different medium and you can end up with a very interesting uh, uh, bite of a certain book? side from a certain point of view um and i kind of wish we actually did a novel like that at some point say say what oh, okay um i was gonna say the, the the book from a certain point of view it's it's a few years old now it did that it was it was all short stories from different authors but it was all based around the time frame <laughs> of uh, a new hope and it had and it had different little snippets from like all the different characters, like little the little ones and two bit uh, characters from you know like the cantina scene and all that stuff, and it and strung together like a whole story arc. So I thought that was cool. Hmm. <clears throat> huh. <laughs> I have to check that out. That sounds interesting because this this book really seems to have grown out of. Um that exact sort of thing because it, it there was a book called tales from the masaisley cantina yeah. and tales from java's palace which i believe and I'm, i'll double check this and correct myself if i'm wrong i believe kw jeter also wrote them and they were short stories about random side characters in both masaisley and and java's palace and a lot of their like a lot of the plot threads in those books will at least be somewhat touched on in this book in a very like you don't have to have read those books because they're not actually prequels to this one kind of way it also has a short one of my favorite characters ever that you know only existed in that one little thing and it was basically uh daniel jose Mm -hmm. older who's written some of the newer uh star wars books um he had a short story of one of he essentially one of the sand troopers that was out searching for the droids uh Mm -hmm. when they when they fell out of the escape pod and it's basically like it's written as like an after actions report to the superior oh nice and he's he's just the whole thing is basically just like look here's the deal uh this is effed up you know th- my my spears were stupid you know all this and everything else and it kind of ends with him just being like so i'm just gonna grab my back and i'm gonna just, i'm just gonna cruise off into the sand and deuces this is the last you're gonna hear from me pretty much <laughs> and it's and it's voiced by him that you know in the audiobook it's actually voiced by daniel jose Oler, and he just puts so much just <laughs> that's awesome that yeah i'm like yeah i love it <clears throat> yeah it's good stuff well cool i've got a book to read another one <laughs> no but that's good i'm going to the beach in a couple of weeks so i have something to read um let's go let's to the see. beach each 
<laughs> so speaking Josh. of um, Jabba's palace and all of the events <laughs> that will soon transpire there, we have some characters okay, who are, are not actually connected to Jabba's palace. So that was a terrible segue. I apologize. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Jabba's palace. What I think of when I think of a beach paradise. <laughs> uh, I mean, there, yeah, I, I mean, mean you're, yeah. Technically, you're not. Sand. Which is Technically, you're not wrong. It is a beach. There had to be water yeah. somewhere, somewhere Bikinis, around there. Which are coarse and rough really and irritating and get everywhere. <laughs> I wouldn't. What, what, what are they called? The hydro farms? Yeah, like the moisture farms. Moisture yeah. farms, yeah. Um, I think you have the first bullet point after the flashback, Jay. In oh, form. I do? <laughs> well, I'm... I'm I'm on my on I'm on my like second cough drop after that rant. <laughs> so, um, we get a bit of a flashback to Voss and Zuckus, who are <laughs> um, both bounty hunters in the Bounty Hunters Guild, ha- and they've been assigned to a mission together. However. They uh, they don't really get along too well, and I would like to note that they have tenure. (laughs) This is a tenured position. (laughs) Jeez, cat! I know your best girl, but let me have a chance to do something. It's okay. I'm the Tower Arcana, so I mean, hey, we all have to bear our scars. So, I'm sorry, Jay. It's just I'm imagining them <laughs> fighting over tenured positions and somebody trying to file complaints with the bureaucracy involved with the Bounty Hunters Guild, and the poor town being like, "See, and now I'm just picturing them, them as tenured. like wearing tweed jackets and like glasses with like strangely trimmed beards." So and it's like, forget, no, I have tenure. And don't forget the elbow patches. Yeah, and elbow patches. Yeah. Overly polite bounty hunters that are oh, highly yes. articulate. Yeah. Today, class, <laughs> we are going to learn how to snipe your target from 10 parsecs away. I don't know. What parsecs <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is a shot. <laughs> that's a graduate. That's a graduate level is. class. Yeah, see, here's the thing about about Star Wars Technobabble is that it is really, really bad Technobabble. No, but according to the dictionary, Parsec is 3.25 light years. (laughs) So that would be a hell of a shot. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a senior level (laughs) class. (laughs) So... Not for the undergrads. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but like, like if you think about it, a parsec would actually kind of fit in that position because it's not necessarily a matter of, you know, you're, you're plotting a course through it. You know, you're trying to save time by going around all of these things. So, so in, when he's saying making it in less than 12 parsecs, you're basically, you're shaving as much, you know, you're shaving distance towards these black holes and stuff, which would be stupid and reckless and exactly the kind of thing that Han Solo would do. 
Well, I think both in old and new canon, that is the official explanation for why he says that. Now, see, um. I, I love that. <laughs> I love that explanation. And I love that you go with that explanation. I would just like to point out um, that in the original like segment setup, it was not intended as that. It was just George Lucas being bad <laughs> at, at space talk. Well, no, in the shooting script, there's a note um, that says, you know, he's lying or bragging. And you can see Alec Guinness's reaction is sort of like, uh-huh, yeah, sure you did. Um, so <laughs> it was intended to come off if you knew what a parsec was, as Han Solo doesn't know what that word means. <laughs> so I, I would like to make a point here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Star Wars dictionary. Is that correct? Oh, no, I just Googled an actual okay. dictionary definition. But okay. there is a Star Wars dictionary, I'm okay. sure. So I did not, one, I did not realize that was a real word. But two, I came across this post on Tumblr the other day that really relates to Star Wars. And it is, if someone is like a casual fan and they just watch a movie and you bring in a character from like a side TV show or a book or something and you don't introduce them in the movie, that's just bad movie writing. Like... I remember a while ago, Star Wars, the official Star Wars made a tweet about like the, the planet where all the members of the Sith's fleet from the last movie were raised and like how they were indoctrinated into the Sith. Yeah. Like, and, like, it's like, did you know that they were raised on this planet and were indoctrinated from a young age? Like, no, how could we have known that wasn't in the movie? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. one thing that I found that kind of annoys me with modern Star Wars is that mm -hmm. the fan service gets to the point where it's almost where it's getting too niche. Mm -hmm. You know, where like your average moviegoer like who like me before I started on this podcast would not <laughs> understand a lot of the jokes or characters that are literally just showing up out of nowhere. And right, we're right. supposed to know who they are. Well, to are, be fair, I don't know that that wouldn't have happened with Legends, but the difference between Legends and Canon in that regard is that Canon actually gets spin-off shows. Well, and but also to Jay's point, um Rob and I just finished watching um the new series and also the original and we're about to start the prequels tonight after I get off to after we get off the podcast. Doo -doo. Um so we've been thinking about Star Wars in kind of the way it's been treated. My issue with new Star Wars is that they kind of try to pay off the film before you've had time to actually get to the point where you care about it. Like, if you watch the original series, Darth Vader doesn't murder any of his subordinates until the second film. <laughs> and then in the third film, when he goes, oh yeah, the Emperor is less forgiving than I am, that means something because we've had two movies to watch Vader choke bitches. <laughs> what they did in the new movies where they were like hey it'd be super cool if we had like a moment like that but without the two films before it to make it matter so let's just like skip to that moment and people will just accept it which bothers me i mean that makes sense I, they also have such expectation on them that you will pay off stuff <laughs> because people are like, well, we've been, it's been, you know, however many years since the last movie we ever came out. There were there were zero expectations for the new films because the prequels were the last Star Wars films we had. <laughs> the prequels were the last Star Fair Wars enough. movies we had. We all had written a blank freaking check to these people and we're like, please don't F our Star Wars. And they did. <laughs> they effed it real bad. Hey, they only uh, effed it in episodes eight and nine. 
That's fair. Yes. <laughs> episodes eight and nine, episodes eight and nine were awful. Episode seven's entire legacy was based on whether or not eight and nine did well. Yeah. Seven, like if seven was all we got, I would have been happy with seven. Yeah. Maybe well, seven, eight. Maybe eight. I, I, eight was, I was a fan. Mm, eight seven, was better than nine. I was just saying, I was <laughs> I really like it. I, I, I thought But I know I'm not like the, the majority. Like I that, know, yeah, I'm part of the minority, but... Um, I, I David, it was, it was kind of crappy that there was Sorry, a go ahead. reversal of just about everything that happened in eight that went on in nine. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you kind of screwed one way or the other because if you didn't like what was going on in the Force Awakens and then the like, you know, the Last Jedi, you it, like. Let me try that a sentence again. <laughs> You're kind of screwed one way or the other, because if you like the way The Last Jedi is going, then you feel screwed over by The Rise of Skywalker. And if you like the way The Rise of Skywalker is going, then you already probably didn't like what happened in The, the Last Jedi and felt screwed over coming out of The Force Awakens. So from the writing perspective, when writing sequels, you want to make what happened in the last book still matter. Mm-hmm. We see this problem in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Endgame and Thor Ragnarok, where right. Thor Ragnarok, Thor has a whole bunch of character development. The lore has a whole bunch of character development. A lot of Asgardian characters have a whole lot of character development. Valkyrie has a whole lot of character development. <laughs> the list goes on. Like Bruce Banner, the Hulk. It has more character development in a Thor movie than he had in his actual movie. <laughs> yeah. And then in in uh, in Endgame and Infinity War, Infinity War and Endgame, they just trashed that. And it's it, especially with Endgame, um, and it's that's exactly what they did between. The Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker. They set up Rey to have nobody parents from the middle of nowhere. They mm-hmm. set up Kylo to be the big bad with no redemption because he was beyond the point of redemption several times by that point. Mm-hmm. They had set like they had set up so many good plot points that all just were completely demolished just within the first act or two of of uh, rise of skywalker um i have i have one last point um yeah this is technically a book podcast um as a dyslexic i really enjoy going to a visual medium but as somebody who is here for a book podcast <laughs> No, I appreciate the sidetrack. I want to get us back on track to chapter four so we can at least finish one chapter tonight. <laughs> well, no, I, I appreciate it. And like I've been saying, Rob and I have been watching, um, going through those yeah. movies. And so it's something that's pertinent, especially as we're talking about the the grander thoughts about adaptation and moving forward through these books, because that's so much a part of what we're doing right now. Um, but yeah, books are great. Let's talk about books. Right. And I, I, I do appreciate that we have a variety of opinions on the films. Okay. So... Bosk and Zuckus, that's how I'm going to be saying his name, get used to it, um, Valid. are arguing about um, Zuckus's tenure with Oof. the Bounty Hunters Guild. And if I remember correctly, Bosk is the one who makes a, a, a mental comment about how Zuckus only got in because of his family connections. Right. 
and Zuckus continually points out that he really hasn't been in the Bounty Hunters Guild all that less time than Bosk has. And, and and from a meta note, Bosk is really only in the Bounty Hunters Guild because of his dad being the guy in charge of it. Wow. It's like, your Bosk's dad loves Zuckus more than him. <laughs> no, like... no, Bosk gets in because of his dad. And then Bosk is thinking, man, Zuckus only got in because of his family. Is this the this chapter where, really they talk about, the where they talk about Trandoshans and how they, um, like, all Trandoshans technically eat all their siblings before they're born? No, not in this chapter. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh boy, cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, Bosk. So it's funny because... In this book, Bosk is a maniac who seems to think about killing, eating people, and not much else. Um, which is, and, and he hates Boba Fett, which is really okay. funny because in canon, Bosk is a partner slash mentor figure to Boba Fett, and they get along really well. Well, I mean, have you seen Boba Fett? It's probably pretty easy to see why his mentor wouldn't like him. <laughs> um, but on on the point of shoot i forgot what my point was um oh yeah it with you you said they kind of treat bosk like this crazy guy who's ready to kill yeah someone at any that is not how they characterize him in the audiobook let me tell you that <laughs> in the audiobook he's like this quiet smart but like he's smart in the sense that he shows he knows not to let people know that he's smart you know yeah um he's quiet he's kind of a background you know he knows he's a background character basically <laughs> um well so it's interesting because bosk does think about killing people a lot and planning their deaths but he doesn't say it much so what comes off as well, he he's even, quiet he doesn't well, even <laughs> He doesn't even think about it in the audiobooks. He's just oh, okay. like, entirely, this... he's like, how can I make money and not die? That's pretty <laughs> much his entire characterization in the audiobook. Interesting. Very interesting, actually. I was about to say, in that's... the... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was about to say, in the actual opening of Chapter 4, though, we get an entire like segment where they're just discussing like Trandoshans and Trandoshan cultural values in just the text. And they're talking about like rage and how Bosk is like, contemplating chewing someone's bones or something like that. And they're like, yeah, but rage is a good thing for Trandoshans and like Trandoshan culture. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, huh. Weird. So like, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting kind of a context, especially considering you're saying that in the, in the extended um, editing that they did for the audiobook version, that they decided to cut out something that was apparently culturally significant to the <laughs> yeah. entire character's background. But hey. So, yeah, he, he's, um, that's an interesting take on his character in this. And, and I have to read a little bit more of this one to remember exactly what Bosk is like overall in the book. But right now, he is assigned to hunt a target alongside Zuckus. It was a guild assignment. They have to be partners. Um, Bosk is trying to make sure Zuckus dies so that Bosk can get his share of the bounty. And Zuckus is kind of dense enough to go along with all of his suicidal plans. But somehow also good enough not to die doing the suicidal things that Bosk keeps making him do. <laughs> There's almost a little bit of an inversion, and this might be going too far um, into just the like the future plot. There's almost like an inversion of the Boba Dengar relationship, in that mm -hmm. Dengar is clearly the person who is like the more 
the, the more sane, I'm just trying to make money and get out of here. And Boba right. Fett is like that. No, if we do this crazy thing, everything will be fine. And Dengar's like, please no. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this one, it's Zuckus saying, Zuckus is like, oh yeah, sure. I'll do the crazy thing. But Bosk is out to get him killed. And Zuckus is the one that keeps pulling off. It's crazy. Yeah. So reason, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So in the audiobook, he does not explicitly say that he's doing this to get Zuckus killed. He's explicitly oh. using the tactics to try and get the job as done as quickly as possible. That is so weird because he explicitly says in the book, in the in the you know printed book, that he is trying to get Zuckus killed so that he can get his share of the bounty. In in the audio book, it's like just get in there and fire as fast as you can. I want to get this job done as quickly as possible. It really sounds like they're just trying to get the part of the book over as quickly as possible so they can move Oof. on. Yeah. Oof. Um, so speaking of what they're trying to do, they're in a casino, um, and they're blowing their way with, with explosives into the back room, trying to find, um, their target, who is apparently a former member of the gaming commission, um, and, uh, the hut gaming commission, I should say. Uh, so they blow the, the back wall and they go in. And at this point, uh, Bosk is expecting a bunch of people with blasters to blow Zuckus away. Because they make Zuckus go, he makes Zuckus go in right after the explosion, but they get in there and Zuckus survives simply because everyone's already been killed by someone else and their target has been stolen. <laughs> uh, so they go chasing them, and uh, I think Bosk makes Zuckus jump down a distance that Bosk could easily make, but Zuckus is a lot shorter and smaller, so he like twists his ankle or or breaks his ankle or something, and they're chasing someone who stole their bounty. Trying to get that, to them. That chase scene doesn't happen in the book. He just he just straight away gets on the comms and oh. <laughs> is like, "Hey, get back here with our bounty." I mean, this is a fairly long book, so it makes sense that if they have to abridge for space, that they would cut out a couple of extraneous scenes with characters who aren't fed. <laughs> you mean like an entire chapter, David? <laughs> yes, <laughs> David. <laughs> an entire freaking chapter. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like exactly what they would cut out. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you now got... that I think about it, I think they should probably cut out an entire chapter just to make space. That makes sense. Chris, <laughs> I'm going to strangle you. <laughs> uh, before you do that, though, you just have the next couple of bullet points, I think. Oh, I do? Yep. Oh, boy. Yahoo! So, now, this is pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bosk knows who it is, or at least he suspects. And sure enough, once in orbit, they find Fett's ship leaving. Bosk demands the bounty be handed over by right of the guild. And Fett says, I only answer to myself. I don't answer to no stinking freaking guild. You bunch of wussies. <laughs> like that a man. Is, that is not in the audiobook, by the way. And leaves, which, you know, pretty understandably makes Bosk pretty mad. Which is funny because Fett rightfully points out that he isn't a member of the Bounty Hunters Guild and doesn't have to do what the guild says. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my favorite part of this, though, is the precise line is... 
um, I answer to a higher power, and Boss goes, oh, yeah, what power? And Fett says, myself. That's just rude. I mean, he might as well have taken those little guns on the bottom of Slave 1 and just rotated them up and did like, <laughs> That's fair. This, this reminds me of that guy from Parks and Rec who, when a police officer asks if yes. he has a, has a permit, and he's like, yes, I do. And then he hands him a piece of paper that says, I can do what I want. I would like, have never thought somebody would accurately compare Boba Fett and Ron Swanson. <laughs> well, it goes it goes back to what we were talking about last week when we were talking about the kind of hyper-masculinity that goes into like the weird like post-noir superhero that like takes over the action movie of like I when remember this that conversation because I was totally there for that conversation. <laughs> was that was great. a great conversation, guys. We were super proud of all of your contributions in that conversation. <laughs> you know, I just just for a few minutes during that conversation, I was actually best girl. That's how you, good and amazing my It was it was surprising were. to everybody, but you yeah. you pulled it off and we were all like there was actually a moment when people were clapping, they were ovations. I'm pretty sure Mother Teresa started crying. Um <laughs> Dogs and cats were living in harmony. Not together, because that would be wrong, but in harmony, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) After Fent gives the uh, equivalent of um, what's a god to a non-believer speech to boss. (laughs) (laughs) Um... It switches over to Fett's perspective, and we see he's got uh, the, this accountant who screwed Jabba over in a cage. Fett is cold, <laughs> emotionless, but professional. Which really just kind of reads to me as, like, he wants a nap. He's just like, whatever. This is a Monday. I mean, this whole scene really does read a lot like the first episode of The Mandalorian, um, which basically has this exact same scene mm-hmm. written in with different characters. Um, it's supposed to establish for both The Mandalorian and for Boba Fett uh, that they're bounty hunters, that you can't buy them, that they're very much like on their job, uh, and that they don't really care that much about the people that they're arresting, essentially. The difference here, of course, yeah. is that Fett actually doesn't care. Right. And Mando is trying really, really hard not to care. Well, and the other other side to that is that we don't have the weird, um, charming line about needing to, like, pee once every six years (laughs) that we got in The Mandalorian. Yeah, we have a much more typical crime noir scene where Boba Fett just basically says, what were you thinking? Trying to screw over Jabba. (laughs) And the guy's like, well, I want money. Here, you can have the money that I stole from Jabba. And Boba Fett's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But Fett says he's only motivated by credits. This accountant offers him all the money he's stolen from Jabba. And Fett goes, "Mm, no. (laughs) Yeah, it's very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that's a weird. That's a weird scene. Like, because it, it once again sets up um, Boba's character as being somebody who cares more about honor, at the very least in the like in the terms of contractual law, than it does in like benefit or money. Like, well, because so, it's so interesting to me because basically both um, Din and uh, Boba insist that they're only in this for the money, that they're here to get the job done and get paid, and. 
neither one of them is telling the truth, but they're telling they're, the real truth is completely different from both of them. Because with Boba Fett, it's more that like being the best and having the best rep and being like the bounty hunter apex is important to him. Whereas with Mando, like that's really not all that important to him because he throws us away <laughs> very right. quickly. Well, and I think that strangely enough, um, Boba Fett is actually um, lawful neutral. In that he is a lawful character and that he has rules and he has regulations mm-hmm. that he follows specifically um, right. that he doesn't necessarily expect other people to follow, but they are not moral laws. Right, exactly. Like he, He's not a good or a bad person. He's just a person who believes that he told somebody he would do something and so he'll do it. And if I remember correctly, he explicitly states that he's thinking long term because he knows – if he takes a bribe or two here and there for the short term, that it's going to hurt him in the long term. Yeah, yeah. Right. This yeah. is he's like, he's you know like I'm investing in my reputation here. It's for me. Mm-hmm. It's for money. I cannot treat myself today. <laughs> he's like, this is this professional. Was- I have a contract. It's guaranteed if i continue doing this i shall bring forth more money and then one day i'll die in a sarlacc pit or maybe not (laughs) it's okay by the time he was done dying in the sarlacc pit he didn't care anyway yeah (laughs) he was too busy being edgy well you know what what is kind of funny is that boba fett and Han Solo have some interesting parallels in this scene as well, because if in A New Hope, Han keeps insisting he's only in it for the money and his ultimate, you know, character test proves that like his friends and, and doing the right thing is more important to him than money. He's in it uh, for the girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and then, like we said, Mando, I think is kind of uh, more in it for the family whether that's the child or the, his Mandalorian cohort, than he is for the money. And Boba yep. Fett is in it for more money later. Mando, show show me what you have. A baby! No! Yeah, yeah really, though. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because all three characters have very similar beats in very like similar scenes where people are are basically insisting that something must matter to them more than money. And all of them lie and say money is most important to them. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's something that bothers me in most fiction because it's such a trope. Because essentially money doesn't matter more to anybody than anything. Because money is just a means to get other things. Right. Hey, so- I want to make a correction. <laughs> money matters more more than anything else to the cartoon villains. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair, but only in a cartoon can you swim in an entire vat of gold and not break every bone in your body. <laughs> so literally for them, having money is a good to itself. That's fair. <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of chapter four. We leave off chapter four with uh, Fett going to deliver this guy to uh, to get paid. Uh, and he's not going back to Java. He's going to someone else who will pay him on Java's behalf. Uh, an interesting character we'll meet next week. But for now, uh, that was chapter four, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm David, and you can find me on Twitter at aka Agent Shades. You can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Agent Shades. Um, and I'm Chris. You can't find me anywhere. That's intentional.
Um, and I have nothing that I do or no one I care about. I only care about money. Uh, and I'm Jason, and you can find me on Twitter at GoShark20, and that's about it. I'm Kat. You can find me on Twitter at SeagullSoup. Um, for for uh, the most recent challenge, I am still waiting on some cool Mandalorian chibi art. Yes, please, and thank you. <laughs> also, I take it back. There is one thing that matters to me more than money, which is technically still watching holes with Cat at some point, um, <laughs> which we will eventually do. I hope. Please tell me you guys are going to make sploosh as a snack to watch the movie. No, I don't know what that is, and it makes me feel uncomfortable to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me. Uh, I was. I was so... I was so lost in the euphoria of the idea of Chris and Kat watching Holes together that for a few <laughs> moments I existed in a world where I didn't have to do an outro. <laughs> so I'm Jay, a.k.a. SharkRay24. You can find me pretty much anywhere under that username. Uh, go to my YouTube. I'm doing a Let's Play of Persona 5, and I have a few other series going on, like game reviews and a series about LGBT stuffs and dramatic readings and a bunch more. Well, thank you all for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful whatever time of day you listen to this podcast. Join us next week for more Boba Fett and a weird spider guy. Adios. Adios.